Real leaders leave a legacy. They capture the hearts and minds of their teams. Their origin story puts the safety and well-being of their people first. Great companies ubiquitously have safe yet productive operations. For those companies, safety is an investment, not a cost for the C-suite. It's a real topic of daily focus. This is The Safety Guru with your host, Eric McCroskey, a globally recognized ops and safety guru, public speaker, and author. Are you ready to leave a safety legacy? Your legacy success story begins now. Hi, and welcome to The Safety Guru. Today, I'm very excited to have with me Tom Corfield. Tom is a motivational speaker. He's here to talk about an incident that happened 15 years ago and some of the effects that it had and, and some of the roles that leaders have, and particularly he was new into his role at the time. So, Tom, welcome to the show. Very excited to have you with me. Hi, Owen. Thank you. Thanks for the uh, offer. It was, uh, it's been a pleasure. Um, hope you're well. And, yeah, um, really want to get my story out there um, and tell you guys all about it. Yeah, definitely. So, so why don't we start there? What, what happened? This, you were new in your role. You had recently started. Tell me about what happened. Yeah, so um, I was, I've always been interested in bricklaying and being a construction worker. Um, so I got myself mm-hmm. into an apprenticeship in the UK, um, a bricklaying apprenticeship with um, a, a big um, construction company. Um, sure. I've done really well. I was doing really well in my in my build in my building. I was getting my, my level, my sitting guilds, um, progressing and and doing really well with the brick line. Um, but then that was that was in the college part, and we had then got put out onto site. So we um, I went out onto the site, um, got on the site, and just started like seventeen year old Tom just come out of school, mm-hmm. um, and. It's like it's a big it's a big change. So from like being in the school days, and then well, you're in you're on this big site with machinery and noises and, and drills and everything going on around you. So that day, I I got to site. Um, I always remember the, the, the day that happened. It was uh, it was a wet day and torrential rain. It was like. Walked out and put my boots out and walked out onto the job and literally just covered in mud already. Um, but yeah. that day, I was helping some labourers, like helping the labourers um, load out for the for the bricklayers below. And obviously, as I was as a starter and coming up from start to the bottom, that's the first major job you get done. Given is sure. helping the labourers load out the bricks, the compo, and things like that. Um, so I was up on a scaffold and. I was carrying blocks, um, and like I said, I was only 17 years old. So I was carrying concrete blocks, and I could only carry one. Um, mm-hmm. And at this point, I was on the scaffold, and the um, the supervisor I was working for, I had seen him, and he shouted up to me, Tom, if you can't can carry two blocks, don't carry none at all. So I thought, oh, that's my supervisor saying that. I better, I better stop what I'm doing. Um so I asked the, asked the labourers I was working with, what do you want me to get on? Because he, he, he wants me to carry two blocks and I can't I can't carry the weight of two blocks, if you understand. Sure. Um, so I started filling up a bucket and the compo, which is the wet cement in the in the, in the big tub, and picking it up onto my shoulder in the, in, in the bucket. And I'm walking along a scaffold, staircase, a sta- scaffold and having to come down to a staircase below where there was two bricklayers waiting for me to pass them their uh, compo. 
Like I said, it was torrential rain. Um, the rain was getting worse, and we'd been told by the supervisor that that day we would get the job done and we'd be able to have the Friday off. Um, the Friday was apparently, it was a wet day as well, so um said get the job done today and everyone will have an early day Friday. So you can imagine the pace has picked up, so I'm back and forth with these buckets of wet cement and at the one point I've took it off my shoulder and as I've took it off my shoulder it, it slipped out my hands but I've automatically gone forward with it. It's all in one motion. Sure. And the bucket's hit flat down on, on the floor and the splashback has gone straight up into my eyes. Oh, dear. Um, yeah. Into my eyes, my nose, my mouth, everywhere. My whole face was just covered in wet cement. Um, I don't know if a lot of people know, but uh, the cement is a lime base. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, put, they add lime to it, which... Helps it um, helps it more workable. Um, so at the point, I'd been told about line burns and things like that at college, and all of a sudden I've just screamed out. And the two labourers I was working with, they came, they picked me up and said, "Come on, we've got to get straight to the toilets to wash your face out." Mm-hmm. And people didn't understand the amount of cement that got into my face and into my eyes. Oh. Yeah. So I had to wash my eyes out in the sink. And it was that bad. Took me to the site office to use the little eye wash solutions that most companies have in the in the first aid box. True. And um, they unfortunately ran out of the, didn't have enough to clean my eyes out with. So we got um, my supervisor then picked me up. He took me then to the nearest hospital. We got lost on the way to the hospital. Eventually got to the hospital for them to tell me that I am probably never going to be able to see again. Wow. And this was all due to the lime penetrating the eyeballs um, and it was just burning the eyes. Um, so I I got to the, the local eye, eye hospital in Birmingham and mm-hmm. I was then told at 17 years old, yeah, you're probably never going to be able to see again. No. And the kind of like, what it led up to was having my eyes scraped um, they were putting like um, cotton wool buds, like long cotton wool sticks, and scraping the eyes and trying to get the cement out my eyeballs. And this had happened midday, around midday, and they were still scraping cement out my eye, the back of my eye sockets um, at nine o'clock in the night. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah. My uh, my parents they got a phone call to say that I'd been in a, an, a in a, an accident at work. I was then, they, well, that was my mum's last day at work for around two years, where she was then my carer. Um, I was not knowing if I was ever going to see again. Um, and, yeah, that's where my life drastically changed and went to the worst and depression, suicide. A, a lot of things changed then because I was... A 17-year-old lad who sure. had the freedom to do anything he wanted. He he just wanted to, to be a builder and have his own construction company later on in life to then one day, never knowing if I'm ever going to be able to see again. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it, it messed with my head. I can't really say words that it can explain it, but just seeing, just lying in a, in a hospital bed, 
not being able to see a thing and just listening for the noises around you. It was it was heartbreaking. No kidding. And it was heartbreaking for family and friends to see me in that way. So so if we go into to that day, you're new in role. Um, you're 17 years old. <clears throat> Unfortunately, I hear that story too often. Somebody who's new comes on a site, wants to do a good job. Supervisor is sending a message of let's get it done and, and specifically pushing, putting pressure on you. Uh, what are some of the things that organizations can do with a new employee that comes in? Because you, you wanted to do well. My, my guess is you were going above and beyond trying to, to show I'm, I'm doing my best. Yeah, you want to show that you, you're keen and you, you, you want that job. Right. You know what I mean? You, you want to show people and that, that supervisor or that manager that you want to work hard for them. And, yeah. and, and that's what I was doing. I was trying my hardest to, to, get, to keep up with the other labourers because it, when, when you've got about 10, 15 bricklayers in front and who are constantly laying, that you've got to keep constantly firing bricks there, blocks there, cement, compo, mix. Yeah, it's a stressful time, and and coming from a younger lad to then straight ship straight onto the, to the building sites like that is um, mm-hmm. and you've got the supervisor screaming down your head, and it's a big pressure. It, it is. It's a lot of pressure for these young lads, and and like I've I've met a lot of young apprentices over the, the years now working on site, and mm. it don't really there ain't much change, but. People need to realise you've got to give these young lads a chance, and and you've got yeah, like you know what I mean. They might, they might not know everything that's going on on the job, and you ex- people are expecting them to know a lot, and you can't just expect someone to come out of school and know what everything they need to do. Sure. Um, and 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 I think that's where a lot of supervisors put, do push people, um, and and like when it's your supervisor, you you'll think that's what you should be doing and, and that's how they want everything been, to be done um, mm. and unfortunately for like for me that day it was I was stressed and I was I was rushed and right. I, I was soaking wet working in wet conditions and, and, and it all hit in one and things I do now I, I make sure I, I take a step back before I get given a task step back take a step back and check your surroundings right. and and things like that, and just look away and look and look at what you got to do um, instead of jumping straight straight into it, and then eventually could lead to an accident. And so, what are the things that a supervisor could do to set the right frame? Because I'm assuming you come to the site, there's some form of site induction orientation about the risks, the hazards. What are some of the things that leaders and organizations can do to influence? driving the right choice obviously the supervisor and how he showed up wasn't helpful because he was talking about trying to shorten the day you don't have to work tomorrow things of that nature that creates a pressure across everybody to try to move faster and yes productivity is important but that's where shortcuts can happen and we make mistakes this is it yeah um so things like like where they told everyone on site that they probably wouldn't be coming, they wouldn't have to come to work tomorrow because of rain. Right. That probably should have been done at the end of the day, so people didn't rush to to get the job done sure. and, and think, yeah, I'm, I'm getting a day off tomorrow. Sort of thing. It, it could have been the supervisor could have left that till get the job done and, and then and then tell the lads they wouldn't have to come in tomorrow. Lot it would have been a lot, a lot better for people to hear that. Mm. Um, but just in general, just 
really just to have more in, inductions and and like start and, and when and when people come onto the sites, like it's probably a best thing to show people examples of accidents that have happened. For example, mine. Right. Over the years of me working, I have I, I did used to do inductions to for lads on site, and I always told them about my accident and and give them a bit of knowledge about what happened to me, just so when they go out onto site and they say they have to have a, a job which is like task specific, wearing glasses, um, it, and then I've told them more about my accident. It might make them think, oh. That lad told me about his accident. I'd better just put some glasses on before I do this job in case something flicks up and hits me in the face. Mm. And this is more like what a supervisor, a lot of supervisors should be doing to their, their employees, just telling them things that could happen and, and that has happened, not to scare them, to just to make them realise. Aware. And, that's, yeah. and, and, and make awareness. And, and, and that's what I'm trying now is just to make people aware of how easy an accident like what happened to me happened because um, one day you could be going to work the next day you might not be coming home and 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 that's the sickening thing about it and a lot of people have got families which that depend on them especially us men we are like a, the main source of family income you know what i mean so yeah. like supervisors to, to me these days they need to just think about the jobs they're sending out people to do because at the end of the day you could task you could set someone a task or a job and you might know might not might know it's not safe but you've still sent that employee out to do this job you know what i mean um and then something could happen to them like an accident or even worse death and that supervisor's then got to live with that for the rest of his life yeah. i probably say the supervisor who's looking after me knew about what happened and I bet that stuck with I'll stick with him for the rest of his days. Right. Because I don't suppose he knows what's happening to me nowadays, 15 years later. This episode of the Safety Guru Podcast is brought to you by Propolo Consulting, the leading safety and safety culture advisory firm. Whether you are looking to assess your safety culture, develop strategies to level up your safety performance, introduce human performance capabilities, re-energize your BBS program, enhance supervisory safety capabilities, or introduce unique safety leadership training and talent solutions, Propolo has you covered. Visit us at propolo.com. Is there as well some elements here in terms of preparedness, right? So you, you mentioned uh, safety glasses. Should you have been wearing safety glasses? Is this something that, that should have been thought through before, that the site should have prepared you for? Um, should there have been enough solution for an incident like this so that on site they had enough? Well, this is the thing that obviously, yeah, they didn't have enough eyewash solutions on site, which it was a separate site to the company I was an apprentice with. So I was like a subcontractor to this main contractor. Um, sure. So the glasses, the glasses policy, that wasn't really heard of back 2006, 2007. Right. It was... You more or less, if you was wearing glasses, it was down to your own. It was off your own back. Sure, it wasn't pushed to you by like the companies or the health and safety. Um, it was more like a task specific. 
wear them glasses if you wear if you're doing cutting steel or cutting bricks or things like that or chopping bricks so um it was like it was up to you if you wanted to wear them but then my accident happened the company i was working for they had the health the health and safety obviously got involved and a lot of companies over the years since have made it mandatory for all their all their employees to wear sure. to wear glasses on site I know the company I was working with as soon as you walked onto that job you was had to wear full PPE glasses hives hard hat boots gloves and that was from when you started to work to when you come off the job right so obviously before nothing was heard of until Tom here has this accident drops his bucket of cement and it splashes in his eyes. And that's what I mean. I, I wasn't given glasses that mm-hmm. people didn't realise how bad it was. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of people still to this day don't understand how a, how a bucket of cement can cause someone to go blind yeah. until they see a picture. Right. But this is the thing, like, safety specs and safety glasses on site are... Or like, I obviously I'd always wear them myself. I wear them I'm, like, on site now. I'm constantly got my safety specs on because mm. the tiniest bit of dust could get into my one eye, and I'm I'm blind again. Then you know what I mean. Like and oh. and like I say to people on my motivational talks, I drive around dumper on dumper trucks and things like that. And if something goes in my eye without a pair of specs on, I could potentially hit someone, and the worst could happen. So I have to be wearing more safety glasses all the while and sure. that's like what I'm trying to, to to make people realise is that wearing these glasses yeah people might feel like they look a bit odd wearing these big glasses on your face but if they're going to protect these eyes and this is the main thing that people need to realise you have an accident like, like I had with my eyes and you're self-employed working on a, a ground, working on the ground or you're working on a site and you're self-employed lads and you have an accident and you're off for work for a year and no money's being made mm-hmm. so who's going to be making that money and, and it's just a breakdown of things that you've got to make people realise is if you lose your job you could lose your home and you could lose your family you could lose your life and the, the horrible steps that it could go down and sure. lucky for me I'll didn't have to go down that way because my family, I had a strong family bond and and that, and they put keep me kept me in the right position. Lot like it did mentally mess with my brain, with my head, and yeah, it happens. But I'm now trying to make a, a, a negative into a major positive. Yeah, tell me a little bit about that. So, in terms of the knock-on effects, you touched on the impact personally in terms of how there was a physical pain the physical uh, impact. Um, tell me a little bit about what was the knock-on effect on family, loved ones, and then where where you are now. So at the point of the accident, I was, like I said, I was a 17-year-old, still lived at home. My parents both lived at home. My brother lived at home. He was just going to university. Like I said, my mum, from that day forward, my mum was my carer at 17 years old, being 17 years old and mm-hmm. having your mum care for you and look after you after, like, I just two weeks p- before the accident passed my driving test and that's, like, one of the main things I wanted to do as a kid was have my own car and 
And then you've got your own freedom. Like I had my own freedom for two weeks. I was in work. I was driving my car to work. So then one day, not knowing if I'm ever going to see again, my mum being my carer. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he, like, he put pressure on the family. He did. And I'm not going to lie. He, 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 mum and dad, they had arguments and things over. Like My mum was taking me to the hospital every Monday. That was like a... Um, more or less a, a full day sitting around hospitals um, and that happened mm. for about a couple of years um, she had to do a lot of things like I more or less was bed bound or I was laying a settee so she was more mm. made my food made my drinks things like that like put my drops in I had to have drops I was having oil drops in every, every hour of the day day and night so oh wow I was having that di- that many different oil drops, so she had to make like a, a sp- her own spreadsheet so she could then make sure she was putting the right drop in the right oil. So it was like a day, it was like a full time job of just looking after me sure. for the two years, um, and it was it was hard. She, like my dad, he he was the one who had to then keep the money coming in. Um, like I said, my brother was about to go to university. He obviously did. He needed money to 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 pay for his university and things like that. So yeah, he, he did put pressure on. And I can't not fault my family for everything they've done. Like if it wasn't for them, I probably wouldn't be speaking to you now. Mm-hmm. I weren't the, the the state of mind I was in after the accident. I I was ready to give up. Um and. Luckily, like I said, having that, them parents look after me and be behind me, it's made me into that better person today. Um, and now, I've, nowadays, like I said, I'm, I'm trying to do these motivational talks to make people realise and make people make things aware of how easy my these well accidents can happen. Sure, I lost the confidence. That was another big thing for me. Confidence was a big loss. I couldn't talk to people. I couldn't have face-to-face conversations. I couldn't speak to women. I was paranoid about people looking at me in a different way. Um, so I didn't put myself out there to meet girls and things like that. And then a few years ago, five years ago, I met my beautiful fiance, who now is making me a stronger person and making me <laughs> to the biggest person now to get up and speak to hundreds of people and make people aware. Um, and like I can't fault her for everything. Anything she's, you know, what I mean, she's done so much for me the last few years. Um, so it, it, like it, that's how the change in my life has happened. It's like gone from mm-hmm. being down in the dumps and not knowing what's going to happen to me in life to now being up there, about to get married, have a baby on the way, mm-hmm. have a beautiful girl, well, fiance, and a lovely house and and doing these motivational talks to hopefully prevent other people going down that path sure um, and just being yep. making awareness and, and realization of what could happen so so I, I think it's a great great ending to a horrible incident in terms of uh where where you're at and i think there's some some important uh, pieces here just in terms of, like as I shared somebody new to the job is much more likely to get influenced by 
pressure, production pressure, things of that nature. There's a lot to be done when you bring in your employee. I've, I've seen some leaders that do a phenomenal job recognizing that and showing up, making sure that somebody doesn't feel they need to rush, that making sure that they reinforce that what, what matters is their safety. And if it takes a little bit longer to do it, that's okay. Just really making sure that somebody who's an apprentice, who's learning, is taking the time and is not negatively impacted by production pressure. There's a lot of elements that can be done in terms of creating a setting that's welcoming and also identifies the risk and hazards to prevent early on. And I think that's an important story or net, a message from his story. That's it. It's, it's true. Like, like apprentices, young lads on site should, become, should be like supervised from the, day, the time they mm. step on that site to the time they finish. They shouldn't be left alone because, like I said, anything could happen. Mm. Um, and this is what people need to realise, like, these supervisors need to understand that when they send people out on site, then they need to know that even the person they're sending out on site is their minds right straight because a lot of us have problems at home who, and we don't like to tell people about it. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I could have a problem at home, I go to work, and that problem's in my head and it's taking my concentration off the tasks I should be doing at work. Yep. To then... So these, this what like, now, like I say to these supervisors now, so even before you send someone out, just check them all out in the morning. Just have a chat with them and and uh, did you get up so much last night? Did you, yeah. Or how did you have a good weekend? And and just find out a bit about the lads you're working with, and 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 it, and it helps people. It helps people out mentally. It really does. It. Yeah. I love having a conversation with people at work. At work now, it, it, it's like it's great. I love going to work and, and especially working with unsalted. Like it's a it's a different it's a, it's a, it's a good crack. It's like everyone gets some of each other and we all have a laugh. And but you've got to make sure because like yep. we're all men. Most men work on site and us men. This is like a lot of men do need to talk up and, and speak up a bit and 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 speak about the problems like because. If I didn't speak about my problems and I bottled it up inside, it could it could go to it could lead to other things, and that's what a lot of us men do, and and it, and that's what I like to cover in my in my talks, like more about men speaking and opening up to other blokes, and and don't be worried about what other people think about you, like you know, like but I could probably say yeah. people would say things about me doing the things I do now, and like because it it weren't what I used to do. But you know, like you've got right. to make a change in life. Like it's not all about sitting in the background. You've got to get yourself out and and and, and make people mm-hmm. understand you a bit more. Like, and that's one thing. Like I say, us blokes don't like to do because we feel like we're the strong bond. Mm-hmm. We like we're that main person in the family and things like that. Sure. Like you don't want to show people your weaknesses, but it's good. It's all right to show people your weaknesses. It's not. Don't be scared about showing mm-hmm. other men or other people yeah. that you're weak. Because you're not all. We're not yeah. all weak. We, we're strong. Um, and this is what we all need to start doing these days. Is just opening up a bit more to other people. Not too much. Like I say, like <laughs> in the morning, you've got your lads coming in the office and. And just uh, have a crack, have a chat with them, and, and just and just check that they're all right before you send them. See how they're doing. Yeah, just before you send them out on yeah. the job, or 
you could be going up a big building and or you know it could be high or down the ground or it, you know it, but just check they're all right before they go out, out onto the job and in case something isn't all right and they then do have a, an accident which you could have prevented as that supervisor so yep simple things but important incredibly important things exactly exactly in terms of creating the rapport when when you get somebody on site and I think also recognizing that a new new employee, an apprentice, is trying to to do their best and they interpret from their leaders what good looks like and are more likely to uh, rush or do something, cut a corner in the if they think that that's what's desired of their leader. That's it. That's it. Like what I'll say, this is my, why I'm trying to do this now because, like I said, I was a young lad at one point and that's what happened. And, and if I can stop other young lads losing the sight yeah. or losing anything you know what I mean it, I, I, I know I'm doing a good job and, and, and that's that's what it's all about is making sure they're aware of everything that's going on on site or in the workplace sure Tom really appreciate you sharing your story and congratulations on your your new addition to your family coming and, and the upcoming wedding uh, so wishing you all the best. If somebody wants to get in touch with you, Tom, and, and is interested in hearing your story or having you share your story, how can they do that? Um, I'm on LinkedIn um, under Tom Caulfield, Motivational Talker, and um, Facebook, Instagram, everything. But yeah, LinkedIn is the main source of um, where you can find me or anything uh, that's where I put a lot of my talks, a lot of my speeches I've done over over the years. Um, everything gets uploaded onto LinkedIn. So, yeah, if anyone is interested or would like to hear my speech and my story about the accident and my life and awareness and health and safety, mental health, mm-hmm. yeah, Tom Caulfield, um, that's uh, where you can find me. But I appreciate, I appreciate the, uh, the invitation, Eric, and yeah, I hope I can make a difference. Absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing your story and for joining the show today. Thank you, Eric. Cheers. Thank you for listening to The Safety Guru on C-Suite Radio. Leave a legacy. Distinguish yourself from the pack. Grow your success. Capture the hearts and minds of your teams. Elevate your safety. Like every successful athlete, top leaders continuously invest in their safety leadership with an expert coach to boost safety performance. Begin your journey at execsafetycoach.com. Come back in two weeks for the next episode with your host, Eric Makrowski. This podcast is powered by Propolo Consulting.